welcome in all of you. And a quick turnaround week for the Green Bay Packers. Packers back at it after getting a win in overtime over the Cowboys. Coming back and exciting their fans, giving the a shot adrenaline. Back into the veins. Maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit of hope on the horizon. And, uh, well, you know, tomorrow night we'll see if they can string a couple of wins back-to-back. And then after that, who knows? Who knows? But tomorrow, uh, we had talked about it, uh, you know, pretty much all day yesterday and early this morning that, um, you know, it's like playoffs now. It's pretty much win or go home. You have maybe one loss left in you, but you got, you can't stumble against Tennessee. You got to, because you got to really kind of save that up. You're going to face Philadelphia. We talked about Miami. You still got the Vikings coming to town. So you still got some good football left. Talk more about it. Mark Schofield, SB Nation. At Mark Schofield over on Twitter, joining us now on the hotline. Mark, how you doing this week? I'm doing well, Bill. How are you today? Good. What a week in the NFL, man. That game between the Vikings and the Bills and obviously the game at Lambeau Field, both going to overtime, Packers getting a win in that one. Let's start with the Green Bay Packers first and foremost. It did. Uh, was there anything there that told you, as we've been using the term sustainable, that was asked yesterday to Aaron Rodgers, I'm still very, very hesitant because we saw too much bad football leading up to this past Sunday. But is there anything there that gave you the breath of hope to say, you know what, who knows, maybe they could climb back into this thing? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right in a sense, Bill, to be hesitant about it because, you know, it is one game. But I think what sort of stood out to me was the efficiency in the passing game combined with the explosive plays that they were able to generate it. You and I have talked a lot you know, so far this season about their inability to generate explosive plays. They got some of those against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the third and one touchdown to Watson early in the game, that was the kind of play that they hadn't hit on. And at some point, Rodgers might have had at his disposal an opportunity to make a throw like that, and he hadn't made those throws. I think that was a big play, not just in that game, but perhaps in this entire season for the Green Bay Packers to illustrate to this team, to illustrate to the quarterback, to illustrate just generally that, yeah, you can create some explosive plays, but then the efficiency in the passing game as well. I mean, they had in that game expected points added per drop back of, you know, 0.336, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it was eighth best in the league last week. So there was efficiency. They were successful when they threw the ball. They didn't throw it a ton, but they were efficient when doing so. And they were also finally able to create some of those explosive plays. And I think that's the big part of it going forward. Because like I said, you and I have talked about all season long, their inability to generate the explosive plays, particularly in the passing game on the offensive side of the ball. They did that on Sunday. They got a win. Like you said in the intro there, they're going to see a lot of good teams down the stretch, something else. You and I have talked about a lot, but when you can generate the, those explosive plays on offense, it's going to be big. The, uh, the the now the the you know the flip of the coin is down in in Dallas. It wasn't that the Packers won the game; it's that the Packers uh, the the Cowboys basically dumped the game. They only ran the ball six times, and they were up fourteen. And quarterbacks don't win after they're up fourteen, and on and on and on. And Dak Prescott was bad, and it wasn't like Cowboys you know, really lost is that they gave the game to the Green Bay Packers. Did the Cowboys play so bad that the Packers took advantage or did the Packers just beat the Cowboys by running the football and doing things that the that the Cowboys don't do very well? I mean, I'm always sort of of the mind that there's, there's a lot of gray areas. It wasn't as simple as the Cowboys beat themselves because the Packers did some things to make the Cowboys make some mistakes. You look at, you know, the interception on that sort of throw over the middle there's been a lot of discussion sort of in cowboy circles 
film watchers and others about what happened on that play. Did Dak get it wrong? Did Lamb run the run route? Well, the problem is they're in a too deep look on that play, but they've got three safeties sort of deep. So it, it's this blurry area. How do you read it? Because if it's too deep, Lamb's going to run one route. If it's a three deep coverage, he's going to run another. But they played it so well on that play. They confuse both quarterback and receiver. They're not on the same page, and you get the turnover. Plays like that may look in the moment like, oh, the Cowboys are beating themselves, but it's what the Packers are doing conceptually in the secondary or conceptually up front or whatever to force some mistakes. And so I think, yeah, did the Cowboys play a good game? No. But did they play a bad game because of what the Packers were doing to them? I think that's the bigger part of it. If you can continue doing that, confusing quarterbacks, getting receivers and quarterbacks on the different page, and then creating turnovers as a result, that's going to be huge for this team. And I think that's what really happened Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, was the Cowboys beat themselves up, made some mistakes, but it was what the Packers were doing that led them to those mistakes. Um, I, I want to go through the rest of the NFL. The big news of the day is that the uh, Cleveland Browns, who are 3-6 and six in the season, Deshaun Watson's coming back to practice today. Does you know that that's the story? I guess more than anything is that he's back after this long suspension. Do is that the missing piece for suddenly Cleveland to say, okay, we can put a few wins together and start to look forward to next year? I mean, I think that's going to be the story now for Cleveland. I think the idea that they were going to sort of stay afloat and maybe make a run for the playoffs this year when Watson comes back—that ship has sailed with you know the three wins, the record, the way it is right now. But I think the what the Browns need to do over the next couple of weeks is to get Watson sort of back into game shape because he hasn't played in a long time because the explosiveness in the passing game is something that they're missing. And what the earlier conversation about Green Bay? And so over the next couple of weeks, they'll try to figure out what the passing game is going to look like in his hands. He'll certainly add a, you know, athleticism element at the quarterback position that you're seeing a lot of teams rely upon as well with stuff he can do in the run game and things they can do in sort of the zone read game. And so that piece will now be back in Cleveland. And so I think they'll start to figure out what they're going to look like for next year. But this idea that, you know, they were going to stay afloat with Brissett and then make this playoff run when Watson comes back, I think that ship has sailed. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll start with the game in Germany. Buccaneers get a win. They've won back-to-back games now. They've gotten their record back up to 5-5. Five and five. The Seahawks, who were really kind of rolling out west, they ended up getting beat. Give me your thoughts now. that it, I, it, it almost sounds like when Bruce Arians comes off the mountain, he says, hey, look, Tom Brady was going through a lot. He wasn't Tom Brady. He was having issues, and now everybody's back, and everything's trending in the right direction. Are the Buccaneers back? I'm still not there to say that the Buccaneers are back. I mean, but I think what we saw in Germany against the Seahawks was success running the football. And I know the era that we're living in of the National Football League, the passing game is king, and that's certainly true. But they had success running the football, and you saw that open up then some of their play-action designs, some of their other concepts in the passing game. I know we talked about Byron Leftwich, and he said, look, we can't run the ball, and so that's limiting our play-action ability. Well, I disagree with that. I think you could still run and call play action plays and be successful when you're not running the football well. The fact that they were able to recall on those plays a little bit more and it opened up some stuff in the middle of the field where Brady likes to throw, I think that was big. So I want to see that sustained. I mean, that's what I said last week, right? Yeah, they got the win against the Rams, but I want to see them sort of sustain some success, play action designs, running the football a little bit better. We saw that in Germany against the Seahawks. If that continues, I'll buy in that they're back. But 
we can't erase what happened over the previous weeks. We can't erase the mistakes and the inconsistency and the inability to finish drives against teams like Carolina and Pittsburgh and some of the other games where they struggled. And so until I see this on a bit more of a consistent basis, I'm not ready to say, yeah, they're completely back. Not just yet. Uh, is the best team in the NFC the Vikings or the uh, Philadelphia Eagles? I mean, like, you asked me that last week, and I said it's still Philly. I'm not, I'm not sold on Minnesota, but maybe that has flipped. Uh, the Eagles have a problem on defense. With, they, they can't stop the run right now. You know, and Jordan Davis is out. Now they've got another injury on the defensive front. They're struggling to stop the run. Teams are going to sort of lean into that. And what we saw from Jalen Hurts on Monday night was at times a regression to last season. There were moments where he's in clean pockets and he pulled the football down early, particularly in the second half where I felt like he was really sort of pressing a bit to try to get them back in that game, try to create a little bit too much. And so certainly something to monitor there. I've been saying all summer long, all you know, fall long into this week, right? I know you've heard me say it before, Bill. I'm not sold mm-hmm. on Minnesota. I want to see them beat somebody. They beat somebody. You know, they go into Buffalo. And granted, that was a wacky game, but to win that game the way that they did, very impressive victory. And so, yes, we're going to still see them tested over the next couple of weeks. But to win that game in Buffalo, I'm starting to believe that, yeah, the Vikings are for real. Um, I, I, let's go to uh, the New York Giants, where I know they're hanging around right there at the top of the NFC East, and a, a lot of people believe in them. But there's a lot of people that say, "Look, they're a paper tiger. They're st- they're going to eventually get into divisional play, and they're going to get beat up." Seven and two, though, that's a pretty loud record. Do you believe in, in the Giants right now in the NFC? I, it's strange. I had somebody that covers the Giants reach out to me and say, hey, can you watch Daniel Jones this week and tell me, similar to the way we started this conversation, is how they're winning sustainable. You know, they really only threw the ball when they had to. You know, they relied on Saquon Barkley. They relied on the run game. You know, they beat the Houston Texans. And, yes, you get a win. All the wins are good wins in the National Football League. I'm still sort of unsold, uh, particularly on the passing game, because they're really sort of trying to limit what Daniel Jones has to do. And like you said, they're going to get into some games coming up. You know, they'll get Philadelphia, they'll get Dallas. They're going to be tested by some better and better teams where they might need Daniel Jones to sort of throw them to a victory. And I'm not sure that he's going to be able to do that, particularly with, you know, outside of Barkley, weapons in the passing game are kind of limited right now. They haven't gotten what they wanted to see from Kenny Galladay. Slayton has made some plays with him here and there, but certainly not on a consistent basis. And so I come back to the idea, if it's third and nine, how are they moving the chains? You know, they they don't have that kind of passing game that you can just say, hey, you know, they're going to throw, you know, a back shoulder throw to receiver X, and Jones is going to put it where it needs to be, and they're going to be fine. That's a concern for them. As you start getting into those games against division opponents, teams with good defenses, that's going to be an issue for them, I think. And so I'm not sold on the Giants because of that, because I look ahead, I look at what's coming, and I think when it's that 39 situation, how are they going to figure that out? Uh, Going to the AFC real quick, because we know Kansas City, I still believe in Buffalo, even though they at times they look like they've just thrown their helmets out there just to think, okay, we're going to the Super Bowl. We don't really need to work for it. But Kansas City, really good. Still Buffalo, really good. Baltimore is pretty good. Give me the other teams in the AFC that you're really kind of paying attention to. I mean, Miami. Yeah. What we're seeing from that team right now, Bill, I'm just extremely impressed with what they're doing 
you know, on the offensive side of the ball, how efficient they've been on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you're seeing the relationship between, you know, Mike McDaniel and Tua Tungvaluwa. There was a clip that the Dolphins put out with the two of them mic'd up and just talking on the sidelines about plays, about concepts, about how they've been playing. You know, I'm really starting to believe. I mean, right now they lead the AFC East, which might be the best division in football. And I look at the way they're constructing their passing game, and perhaps more importantly, they figured out over the past couple of weeks, and it's, you know, my colleague over at SB Nation, J.P. Acosta, just wrote about it. They figured out a run game. And when you start thinking ahead to games, you know, maybe at Foxborough at the end of the season, you know, they got to play at Buffalo still, and we're seeing that we had a feet of snow, you know, multiple feet of snow perhaps in Buffalo this weekend. Who knows what it'll be like when the Dolphins come to town. You might need that running game. And so what they're doing in the passing game, they're so explosive. That's tremendous. It's a big part of where they are at right now with the seven wins. But as you get into some of those divisional games at New England, at Buffalo, that they have later in the season, the fact that they can start running the football and they've been efficient running the football the past couple of weeks, that might even be bigger for them. And so I'm really intrigued to see what the Dolphins do down the stretch because I think they might be the team to watch in the AFC. Yeah, the Packers have them on the docket down there as well. Good stuff, Mark, as always. We'll talk again next week, okay? Sounds great, Bill. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Appreciate it, pal. You too. There you go. Mark Schofield of SB Nation joining us for a couple of minutes at Mark Schofield over on uh, Twitter. You can find his stuff there. Good to have him. Watcher22 says, without Jefferson, the Vikes are a 500 ball club. Philly showed teams need to blitz Cousins, and he becomes an interception machine. I will say this, though. You take a lot of guys off of teams, you wonder how good they're going to be. Took Devontae Adams out of, out of uh, Green Bay. You see how good the Packers are, right? I think we could all go agree with that. You take Justin Jefferson out of Minnesota. You take Stephon Diggs out of Buffalo. You uh, take Tariq Hill out of Miami. You know, you take a lot of these quality wide receivers and weapons for some of these quarterbacks. Now, the guy that's really kind of overcome the adversity is pretty much been Patrick Mahomes. While his completion percentage has gone down, he's still, they're still a winning ball club. He still figures it out, and he's athletic enough to do so. You know? So he's been able to overcome. But you lost one of your two weapons and lost Gronk down in Tampa Bay, and suddenly Tom Brady really begins to struggle. You took Jamar Chase out of the lineup in Cincinnati, and they got the hell beat out of them the following week. So I, I, it's easy. I, I agree with you. It's easy to say. But, man, you take a really unbelievably dynamic wide receiver out of the lineup, and that, that changes things because a lot of your offense goes through that those dynamic receivers. 877-867-1670. Find us and hit us up. 877-867-1670. Hey, don't forget uh, a, something to stuff in the stocking for Christmas. Our friends at Great Lakes Dragaway reminding you if you're a car guy or girl and you want to do a little racing, a little dragging, down there at Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, they have uh, gift certificates available and 2023 season passes all available right now on the website. Go to GreatLakesDragaway.com. That's GreatLakesDragaway.com. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hotel Casino. They have got a lot going on, but this month you still have the opportunity to win not one, but two different Chevy Tahoes. 
How about that? Stop in and check it out. You can get all the details at PaysBig.com. That's PaysBig.com. Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Making new winners every day. Every day. Great place to go on the weekend, too. Just go down there and hang out in the 360 bar and enjoy yourself, even if you're not a gambler. Just go down and check it out. Um, there are a lot of talk about uh, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings heading into the postseason. I Look, Kirk Cousins has won one playoff game. They beat the Saints. He beat the Saints. That's it. Nothing more. I don't put it. I, I think this is a better team. I think this is a lot better team, but he, he's won one playoff game in his entire career. So I'm not, um, when the heat is on, he has folded more often than not. But I think they got a good enough defense that they can they can hang around for quite some time. A lot of things they're doing over there right now, defensively speaking. Uh, I talked about this yesterday. I thought I think a lot of the the attitude, the togetherness that they're playing with, not only as a defense but as a team. I hate to say it, but I think it stems a lot from and from what you read and what you hear, stems a lot from Zadarius Smith and the attitude and the fun and the work ethic and the the pick me up, if you will. I mean, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but a lot of the stuff that he brought to the table here, we love listening to the Smith brothers and their pressers on Wednesday and all the things that he had to say and the fun stuff that he was doing and getting the team together to do different, you know, dances during interceptions and such. And all of that, uh, he took to, he took to Minnesota and they're, they're seeing it pay off right now. It's not just Kirk Cousins. They have a pretty good defense over there, too. It's not a stifling defense by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I think they're a really good defense. So um, I, is this their year to finally shake off some of the uh, the postseason rust? They're going to get there. Um, but, again, you got let's see how healthy they are when they get there, too, because a lot of times health will play a giant factor in all of that, you know? Uh, Kevin says, you can't take the Packers third best at yardage versus pass for what it is. Look at the yards per attempt. Teams aren't throwing in, throwing at them as much because uh, they're beating them with the run. It's a, bis- it's a bit misleading. No, but still, completion percentage is down against the Packers, and that's completion percentage per pass. You're right. Teams have been able to run against them. But, Kevin, most of the time when you're at least looking at you know, those people that follow on Twitter and on many of the social media aspects, you know, when things go wrong, it's always Joe Barry in the secondary. It's never that they can't stop the run. And for the most part, what's really been the nemesis has not necessarily been just the scheme, but we talked about this yesterday. It's also been the fact that sometimes the uh, lack of tackling bug pops up at the most inopportune times. Suddenly guys just, just don't figure it out. They don't wrap up. They don't bring guys down. And then they're left uh, wondering why suddenly they're staying on the field and not being able to get off the field on third down and such. Or first down after first down and first down is being racked up. And suddenly you're looking at a 17-play drive that eats up seven and a half minutes. It's not just about playing better. It's about playing better consistently. But I, but I, I get what you're saying. Uh, this is from Upton. Upton says, uh, hey, unit, do you think Aaron Rodgers – Feels good about playing on Thursday night, or is there going to be a lot of bemoaning about that too? I heard him talk about field turf. 
Um, you know, look, the schedule is the schedule. You can't, you can complain about it. You can say you don't like it, but you're still going to do it. And it doesn't mean you're going to do it with any less verve, you know? I mean, especially right now, you, you have to win this game. They know that. We know that. Got to win this game. So as far as talking about, you know, field turf and stuff, it's a completely different topic. I mean, I know he was on Pat McAfee talking about that. It's a completely different topic. And when we got into this discussion, um, the, uh, you know, it, it's because if you play a game on field turf and a lot of guys get hurt, suddenly it's the worst thing in the world. But you don't hear about it if you don't lose a lot of guys to it, you know? It wasn't like they lost a lot of players in Buffalo. They lost a lot of guys. They, guys were going down frequently in Detroit. And it's always the field turf's fault. I don't, I, look, I don't play on field turf. I don't run on field turf. I couldn't tell you about it. I know it doesn't give. I know it's, you know, like when you're playing, uh, you can look at fields. Maybe not from above, sometimes from the television angle, but when they take that camera down on the field and they show on the field view, uh, you can look and see all the chunks of little chunks of grass that have come up. As a matter of fact, it, it, uh, there are times when it gets bad, especially when the field is wet, where at halftime uh, the Packers grounds crew will actually come out and start to tamp those those pieces back into place best they can to try to you know not create big divots on the field and such. Uh, so the, that's areas where the field tur- the field is actually giving away. It's, it gives way to the players pushing off, okay, whereas field turf doesn't. So when you go to make a cut on field turf, that, that chunk doesn't come up. It doesn't give way. So you're all that pressure instead of kind of a little bit of that kick going out from underneath you, all that pressure is still on your tendons and on your ankles and on your, your calf muscle and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what they're talking about. It's not that, you know, the field is grabbing their foot and they can't twist or move. It just doesn't have any give like a regular field does. And it can hurt guys. It can, it's just a, you know, but, but here's the thing. Between you, me, and the fence post, they train on it every damn day. Unless Matt LaFleur takes him outside, inside the Hudson Center, it's the same thing. It's, it's all the same stuff. I think it's all done by the same company. So it's all the same stuff. 877-867-167. And by the way, we talked about this too. You look at U.S. Bank Stadium. You look at AT&T Stadium. You look at, uh, you know, even the outdoor fields, you know, in many different areas that have all gone to field turf. They're not going to change it anytime soon. It's a lot of money. Secondly, anything with a dome that doesn't have the ability to open the dome and take the field outside, they're not going to change that either because grass isn't going to grow inside. And there's a lot of domes now, even in warm weather climates. 877-867-1670. Let's go to the phone calls. Talk to Gerard listening to us in Delaware. Gerard, welcome back, man. What's up? Hey, Bill. I got two things. Um, The Hill thing, one of the Packer guys that I respect, said that he was a negative in the locker room. Okay, I won't name him because mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't give you the exact quote. But anyway, the thing I really want to get to is this. Let's say over the last six years, why is the 49er defense consistently so much better than the Packers? Why? Why is it? Is it just a uh, cumulative bad drafting? Is it the free agent thing? I mean, they, they, I, I mean uh, the difference... The only difference between the two teams is Rodgers. That's the only difference. But, I mean, if you look at the defense, 
you brought it up just before how many yards they were giving up this and that and everything uh-huh. else but it's all the time so if you look through all the drafts and where they were drafted i mean the 49ers been pretty good the last year except for one year they've been pretty good right so right. so why is it what is it is it bad drafting is it not the money no money for the free i don't know what are the 49ers doing that is so much more so much better than what the Packers are doing on the defensive side. Remember, Bill, all their draft choices except what? They never draft a receiver in the first round, so it's always defense, the Packers. Mm-hmm. They're always drafting defense. Right. No, right. I, I agree. Look, they've got uh, – let's see here. Uh, Armstead is a beast. I mean, so you take Armstead, you got right. Nick Bosa. So both, and both of those guys are first-round draft choices. Um, right. I know that they've got a couple of guys on there that they picked up. One, I, I think Kevin Givens was a, a college free agent when they picked him up a couple of years well, look ago. At middle, look at the linebackers, Bill. Linebackers are Dre Greenlaw. He's solid. They picked up him. In the, they picked him up in the fifth round. Uh, they got Oren Burks on that team, by the way. Well, well, think well, about the middle, that. The middle linebacker Rogers called the best in football. Uh, Greenlaw. Right? No. Or Fred no, Warner. Fred Warner. Linebacker. Fred Warner. Fred Warner. Warner, yeah, the middle yeah. Fred Warner, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at that. Even the defensive back, everything, why? Why is this, you know what I mean? This is ridiculous. I'm, I'm bringing this up because for a team that always drafts. Well, I, I like Demeco Ryans, too. I mean, he's a hell of a defensive coordinator and been with Shanahan uh, for a while now, and he just, when you when you start to talk about him a little bit, that this is a guy that many people will say he's very good, one, at teaching what it is he does, Two in-game, we call it in-game adjustments, but two in-game adjustments and making some adjustments. When you've got superstars that play in the same side of that defense, now granted without Armstead, and he's been hurt, but without Armstead, Bose is kind of on an island. But those two but guys are lost. tough to handle on the right side, man. Yeah, but they even lost their big defensive tackle. But, uh, what's his name? Buckner? Beckham? Beckham? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's a big defense, and they're still good. You see yeah. what I mean? You see what I'm talking about? So what is it, man? We can't get the right defensive coordinator. That's apparent. But I mean, uh, we, what, 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 uh, you know, what is it? It's between me. What I think it's just bad drafting, and and bad coordinators. It's a combination. Phyllis, of philosophically, I would go with style of play. I, I would go with coordination. Just, just yeah, me. I mean, I would start there. Right. I would start there because we have seen different coordinators come in and have immediate success and put it all together, and then you lose a piece or two, and suddenly the message is different, and or they don't have the ability to adjust. I think the best coordinators are not necessarily the ones that you know are great with the guys, but it's the it's the it's the mind of being able to adjust with what it is they have. A coach is supposed to put you, whatever the talent that you have is, mm-hmm. in the best position to be successful. And some coordinators just say, mm-hmm. I'm gonna fit you to my system rather than fit my system to you. And the best ones fit their systems to you. And that's what we said with Ted for years. He was always trying to uh put a uh he was always sticking a, yeah, he was always trying to outsmart everybody and make a guy that was a down lineman, a stand up outside backer, or vice versa. And yeah, always trying to tinker with that kind of crap. But I think, it, it, I think that, you know, you always want somebody to come in from the outside and say, look, what has this team done wrong? And, you know, an evaluator, what has mm-hmm. this team done wrong for the last six years? Let's say, let's just use five or six years, okay? And right. look at it that way, and then say, "Well, this is where the problem is." You see, and, that, and to right. me, that's that's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. 
Well, know? like and, I said uh, yesterday, I mean, you go back and look. Just take your third-round draft choice, for example. You've yeah. only hit on two in 26 years. Yeah. Oh, James no, Jones and Jermichael Finley. Other than that, maybe Morgan Burnett because he got a second contract and hung out for a little while. But beyond that, in, in, in 26 years, you've hit on two guys. <laughs> I mean that—that's the epitome of sucks. Yeah, and, you know, and and you know what we always used to say is we always wanted a gadget guy, the Packers, you know, and then mm-hmm. when now the third round's coming around and we know we're terrible at the third round. Oh God! Okay? Yeah. Pick a gadget guy. Pick one of these gadget guys, and then we finally do in so-called uh, Amari Rogers, and he's terrible. He's terrible. Yeah, I would every year I would trade that. Appreciate the phone call. I got to get to a break. Every year I take that third round pick and just trade it away. Just trade it away because it's it's that's about basically uh, has been all it's worth. Hey, I want to remind you, our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers, they're in West Bend. First of all, it's worth the trip. But secondly, uh, this time of year when you're starting to put the jewelry list together, it is worth the drive to go to West Bend. Kane and Kane, K-O-E-H-N, Kane and Kane Jewelers. And don't forget, if you're a guy and you're like, I don't know what to buy, I don't know all about the diamond stuff, I don't know about bracelets, tennis bracelets, earrings, there is a Buy Like a Guy, B-U-I, Buy Like a Guy podcast that Andy Kane puts together over on Instagram and such. You can find it there. Uh, but if you go to KaneJewelry.com and check out the Buy Like a Guy podcast, really good thoughts in there as we start heading into the holiday and the gift-giving season. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show now. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program, and uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Boondocks Barbecue, Burgers, and Brews. And uh, out there in Oconomowoc, and uh, good people uh, out there, but they got a lot of stuff coming up, as a matter of fact. They have got uh, the weekly drink specials, cranberry, barbecue whiskey sours, apple Moscow mules all going on out there right now, specialty drinks. Stopping at four when they open up, uh, stopping and try one or all of them, for that matter. They got a lot of good stuff out there. Go to Boondocks, Barbecue, Burgers, and Brews, County Road K in Oconomowoc, and tell them we sent you. Technically, it's in Stonebank, Wisconsin, but, you know, they uh, they they claim the whole area, the Oconomowoc area. they got a lot of followers out there, too. They've renovated that place. It's really, really nice now. Big, spacious bar area. So if you want to get in there and get some appetizers, watch the game coming up tomorrow night, you can. Uh, they have uh, the... Uh, uh, the tipsy painting party coming up as well. I think they only have a couple of seats left for that, too, uh, for the Widow's Weekend, if you call it that, for the hunters heading north. And uh, the ladies looking for something to do. They do some wine and painting and all kinds of goofy, goofy stuff out there. But they have fun with it. Big time, they have fun with it. Uh, 877-867-1670. Aaron Rodgers spoke and uh, had some things to say. So uh, let's do this. Let's take a listen to what Aaron Rodgers had to say yesterday uh, after practice. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, 
in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers getting ready for Thursday night football and the Tennessee Titans tomorrow night here at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers says he's friends with Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. It's a toughness that, that Mike brings. You know, they, they play really hard. They got uh, like 29 sacks, three guys with five plus sacks. They're number one in the league in third down. Top 10 in the red zone. And, you know, the expectations, I'm sure, for them are, are really, really high. I keep in touch with Mike throughout the year, and they lost their first two games. And I think, you know, just like happens in this league, there's probably overreactions and what the hell's going on and what are we going to do. And I think they rattled off like, you know, five or six wins in a row and kind of quieted everybody up. But they, they obviously have a really good football team, and Mike's a great coach. On defense, the Packers will have to deal with number 22, running back Derrick Henry, six foot three, 247 pounds. Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry. This guy is the most unique just because not only the things that he can do with the ball in his hands, but just his his simple size. I mean, simply how big he is. You know, he literally looks like Preston Smith when, you know, he breaks the huddle. The Packers cut both their punt and kick returners, Amari Rogers and Kylan Hill. That opens the door for Keyshawn Nixon, who says sometimes a change of scenery helps. You know, you never know. Like, sometimes people always think, like, somebody get cut and it's, like, the end of the world, but... Sometimes somebody goes somewhere else to a fresh start. You know, it's just like me. I, I played 10 times better here than I did any time. My all years with the Raiders just because fresh start, new team, new coaches. Like, you know, you're not it's like a new field. Like, I ain't never really played in the cold. I kind of like the little game day atmosphere in the cold. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's just new juice. You never know what somebody else got going on to outside of football. Kylan Hill has been replaced at running back with Patrick Taylor off the practice squad. Matt LaFleur sending a message to his locker room on why Hill was let go even after suffering a torn ACL on a kick return last season. Um, well, it's a tough deal, but I would say this. You know, being a member of the Green Bay Packers, it, it's it's a privilege. I, I appreciate what Kylan's been through, and but regardless of your role, we expect guys to come to work and own that role to the best of their ability. And when you don't do that, this is what happens. That's Packers head coach Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Welcome back to the program. We got two hours down, two hours yet to go. Cassidy Hill, the Journal Sentinel, going to join us coming up here uh, just after the top of the hour. So hang in there for that. We're going to take a quick break, come right back, and get back into it. Uh, For those of you that thought Josh McDaniels probably going to get fired, uh, word is no. And we'll tell you why when we come back. And it is legit. It is legit. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that coming in uh, in just a few. Stay tuned. Two hours down, two hours yet to go. The Bill Michael Show. We continue with more coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. 